Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. Our mission is to reach, teach, and baptize throughout the world, beginning in our community, fulfilling the Great Commission by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. That simply means we're here to reach irreligious people and turn them into lifelong devoted followers of Jesus, equip them for a place of service in the church, and send them out on a mission for Christ in the world. We're glad you're with us today. I command blessings on you and your family today. That's a blessing. I mean, we get we get in on some of that same good stuff that the Old Testament saints had a hold of. We get a chance to benefit from that grace that Abraham experienced, the same mercy that Jacob experienced. We experience some of that same good stuff. Amen. Matthew got a hold of Peter, James, and John. We endure it. And guess what? Our children are going to get a hold of some of this same stuff. And we get it. And grandchildren and great-grandchildren and future generations. Because his mercy endures forever. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your mercy. That kindness that you show people supernaturally. That endures from past generations to the current generation and extends out even into the future. 
And your word even say your mercies are new every day. Great is your faithfulness. We thank you that we're the recipients of it today. We praise your name because of it. For all of the many blessings you've given. Now as we come to this moment of studying together your word, we pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds that we may hear and receive from you. And may we be transformed and changed as a result of your word. Bless now the words that are in our mouth, the meditations that are on our heart, that it may be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We ask it now in the name of your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm excited this morning to begin a new series in the Gospel of John. And I want to tell you what the series is going to be about. We're going to be looking to discover who is Jesus. Who is Jesus. Jesus. That's the series title. But the morning's message, today's first installment, it'd be just a little different. Gospel of John, chapter 1, first five verses. And there the word says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. This is the word of God for the people of God. Today I want to talk about the divine word. The divine word. So I'm going to tell you the, the answer. If you want to know who Jesus is, for the day, he's the divine word. Now, it's important that we know who Jesus is. Jesus was a common name in the first century. There were five or six different noted people whose name was Jesus. There was a man whose name was Jesus who was the son of a high priest in Jerusalem. There was another man whose name was Jesus, whose father's name was Sahi. But they were not my Jesus. They were not the savior Jesus. And there are still confusions by massive numbers of people all over the world today as to who Jesus is and who should be the object of worship. There are people who 
worshiping traditions. There are people who are worshiping things and just have no idea all over the place. James showed me a video after the 8 o'clock service, and, and, and the lady was up, and she was going on about, you know, glad you're here, don't care where you come from, what your background is. And then they broke into Beyonce's song. <laughs> I said, wow. And they call that worship. <laughs> we need to know who Jesus is. And we need to know why we worship him and honor him. And as we do that, we'll be able to not guess about what we're doing or look around or be absent from the worship. We can be engaged in the worship because we understand who we're talking about and what we're talking about. As we open the Gospel of John, I think it's a little important to understand a few introductory comments about the Gospel John and the writer John. John himself was one of Jesus' followers. He was one of the original 12. In early days, he, along with his brother James, who was older than he was, were known as Benerges, the sons of thunder. These boys had a temperamental problem. They were, they were ready and willing to, to call down fire to burn people up. One day they were passing through a village and they saw a man who was making fun of Jesus. And James and John said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire and burn them up? They were a little self-centered. They even got their mother involved. Went to the mother one day and said, go ask Jesus to do a favor that one of us can sit on your left hand and another could sit on the right hand. And so it took some temperament, it took some development to bring these men around. But over time, John's heart was changed. He perhaps had been the youngest of the disciples. And he records here in the gospel his purpose for writing. And, and, and you see the temperamental change that has occurred in him. His, his common vocabulary that is lifted up in the scripture, he uses the word truth 25 different times. He, he, he uses the word love 80 times. And he uses the word believe 100 times. And when you put it all together, John its purpose is that you might know the truth about Jesus so that you can have a love relationship with him and be saved from your sins and from hell and from damnation and from all of eternity. And so John writes that his purpose in writing all of the words that he writes is that you might have life through Christ. His central message in the book, the entire book, is that Jesus is God and that he became a human being. He became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father 
full of grace and truth. So John here grew into the relationship of love. He's later known as the apostle of love. Not only does he write the gospel of John, but he writes three epistles, three letters, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and he received and recorded the revelation, which is the last book of the Bible. So this John is, is a man who grew from meager understanding to great compassion. And now he writes a gospel that is tailored different from the other three gospels. The other three gospels record the life and history of Jesus. John does not do that. 90% of what you will find in the gospel of John is not recorded by Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke write what is known as the synoptic gospels, the synopsis of the life and history of Jesus. Nothing is written in John about the birth of Jesus. Matthew wrote that. Nothing is written about angelic visitation. Luke writes that. Nothing is written about the childhood of Jesus. Nothing is written about his early travels. Nothing is written about the parables that he spoke. Parables are earthly stories with heavenly meaning. And John is not trying to give us an earthly account of Jesus. Instead, he takes us to another dimension and shows us Jesus from a heavenly perspective. He wants us to see that Jesus is God. And so he uses in the opening chapter here the title of Jesus as the word. Now other gospel writers gave Jesus titles. As a matter of fact, Matthew said, uh, you should call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Luke records, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall be the son of the most high. Speaking of his deity, but John chooses a different title for Jesus. He calls him the word. Listen at him. In the beginning was the word. Now, it might have been easier for our Western understanding if he said, in the beginning was Jesus. But he doesn't call him Jesus. He calls him the Word. The Word, the Word was already an idea that was circulating in the Jewish culture. The word was, in the Jewish, it's the word, should I say in the Greek culture, the word was logos. And logos meaning the mind, the impersonal nature that caused creation to come into being. But what John wants to do, he wants to show that this was not some impersonal creator. This is actually Jesus who became flesh that is the creator. So he calls Jesus the word. 
So he says, look, in the beginning was the word. And, and what he does here in this first verse, first two, ver first two verses, he shows us three aspects of Jesus' life and who he is. He shows us that Jesus pre-existed with God. He shows us that Jesus self-existed with God. And he shows us that Jesus co-existed with God. And I think if we can see that, then we'll see that he is the author of life and the power of light. And I'm going to tell you those things and I'm going to let you out. Let's look first because I think this is why we don't have the right view of who Jesus is. And therefore, we don't think that he should be worshipped. If all Jesus is is a baby that's born in a manger, we see those every day. So we overlook that. And we don't recognize him for who he is. I, I used to like to watch the, the, the television show Undercover Boss. Where, where, where the, the, the owner, the real owner would disguise himself and, and would show up on the job and, and, and find people who were not doing what they should be doing. And in some cases, he would find people who were doing what they should be doing. But they didn't recognize who the boss was. Oh, Lord, they all go help me. I think the reason we come to church and we look and we feel sour and we feel stale and we don't think that we should praise or love or explode with excitement because we don't have the right perspective about who this is. Now, when someone pre-exists with God, it means that they were already there. Look at what it says. In the beginning. What's the beginning? The, the, the beginning. The, the beginning of time. The beginning of creation. That's, what, that's how this Bible opens in Genesis chapter 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Okay, the beginning. That beginning was the beginning of time. From that day forward, when God created the first day, the evening and the sun, he made the moon and the stars, and he separated all that, and he said the evening and the morning was the first day. And that started time. And, and, and God started making things. But when the beginning started, Jesus was already there. That's what it means to pre-exist. If he was not created... In time, it means that he existed before time started. So in the beginning, in the beginning before creation or as creation was unfolding, was Jesus. That's exactly what John is saying. In the beginning was the word. He's given him the title, the word. The logos, the mind, the personality, the created one who calls creation to come into existence. In the beginning was 
the word that's pre-existing and the word meaning Jesus was with God that means he coexisted he was standing right there with God so what we see in this creation understanding is a description of the Trinity the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit we see the Father God, but we see Jesus is also God. Now, to be able to say that you can fully understand the Trinitarian thought is going to blow your feeble mind, and it'll blow mine too. So we might not be able to get our arms fully around the depth of understanding of what it is, but I don't think we have to be confused about who he is. He was there before there was a when or where. He was there before there was a then or there. He was there in the beginning. And so therefore, when you worship, you're not worshiping somebody that showed up. This is not some Johnny come lately. This is the one who was there before there was a star, before there was a moon, before there was a tree, before there was a bird or a bee or a flower or anything else. He was there. And not only was he there, but he was there with God. He coexisted. He coexisted. That is, he was standing there with God. I, I, I read earlier from, from Proverbs 8. I think I would better read it again because I think you need to hear it. Proverbs chapter 8, if I can find it. Uh, it's a great passage of scripture that really the writer gives Jesus' own testimony here. Listen at how he writes, starting in verse 22, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22, and following. Listen. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning or ever the earth was. When there was no depths, I was brought forth when there was no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills was, I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heaven, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him, as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. That's a description of coexisting. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that Jesus ought to be worshipped. You say you worship God, then you're worshiping Jesus. Because he is God. The, the scripture, uh, 1 Corinthians tells us there's one God. 
And this is God. This is Jesus. This is who this one God is. He is the agent in creation. Now look at this. So we can see he pre-existed. That is, he existed before anything that was made. That was made. So it means if you were not created, if you were not made, you pre-existed. And if you pre-existed, it means you are eternal. And if you are eternal, it means you God. <laughs> are you hearing that? And if you self, should I say, if you coexisted, if you were there with God and you were not made by God, it means you have an eternal nature in you. It means you have the same stuff in you, or you'd have got the same stuff God had. And if there's not but one God, then who is this? So he pre-existed, he co-existed, and he self-existed. Say self-existed. All right, look at this. The same, let me see. He said, in the beginning was the word, that is the pre-existence. Jesus was there. And the word was with God. That is, Jesus was with God. And look at this. And the word was God. All right. The same was in the beginning with God. So Jesus was right there. All right. Now, let me just tell you this. If you were not made, then it meant you had to have self-existence in you. How in the world could you be back there in the eons of time if you didn't have what it take to be there? That's self-existence. Now watch, 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 watch. Verse three, verse three. All things were made by whom? And who's to him? Come on, say it. This is not a trick question. I'm not flunking you today. You're going to pass this. All things were made by Jesus. Okay, that's what it's saying. I'm not making it up. Look at it. And without him, without Jesus, was not anything made that was made. So if he has the power and the ability to create, it meant he was self-existent. He was pre-existent, he was co-existent, and he is Self-existent. He is God. So who then should we be worshiping? And I think if you would understand that, it will change your way of how you approach what we call worship. You know, we, we talk about Jesus like he's that boy down the street. Yeah, I know Jesus. Yeah, I met him a long time ago. I was in the cornfield down in Marion County and something hit me in the top of my head and I started running. I've been running ever since but you're running from somebody else, baby. <laughs> because before you, were, before you were a gleam in your mama's eye, before your mother met your father, before your grandmama met your granddad on the back of a truck, God knew who you were. He knew when you would live. He knew what period of history you would be born in. He knew what church you would attend. He knew that one day you would hear the gospel and your heart would be open and that you would accept his son as your savior. That's, what, that's who God is. 
And so, you know, we worship God as he's a bearded old man that sits somewhere in heaven that keeps ugly records of you. Every time you say something, do something, he writes your name down. And when you pray and ask for forgiveness, he strike it out. Listen, your page would have been gone. How many know? If he had to put your name down every time you said forgive me and then erased it every time you messed up. Listen, man, I wouldn't have no page. I done used up my book and your book and everybody else's book. But that's not who it is. It's not who we're talking about here. In him, listen, all things were made by him. That is, the trees were made by him, the mountains. Yeah, I know you, if you read the Genesis account, you, you hear it says, uh, darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God hovered over the darkness. And God said, what? Let there be a, guess what happened? Things start showing up. Well, which God was it? It was this God, Jesus, because he is the agent of creation. That's who he is. This is the assignment that God gives. Now, you got to understand the Bible is very clear about this because at the end of the world, he's going to be the judge. The same one who is creator will also be judge. The whole earth is going to be given to him, the whole creation. All the father has given, he's given to the father and the father gives it back to him. And so he's our savior. He's our maker. He's our creator. He's our divine word. All things were made by him, and without him, there was nothing that it came into existence that exists. Okay. In him, that is in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. Now, this is saying to us, in Jesus, you get life. So where did you get your life from? Some people say, I got it from my mama and my daddy. Some people say, I came from Brookwood. <laughs> that was the delivery station. But if he didn't want you to live, baby, you wouldn't have showed up on this side of the birth canal. Do you understand that? In him is life, physical life, biological life. That's what the miracle of birth is all about because a woman get a chance to experience that, that that a man cannot know, a man cannot experience that. The feeling of life moving and living on the inside. But God had you in his incubator of love long before that was anything. Can you got, he got the whole world in his hand. He got the little bitty babies in his hand. He, he has you and me baby in his hand. He's got the whole world where? In his hand. That's why he loves you so because you are his baby. Are you understand? You don't have to make you don't have to make him love you. Because you are already the objects of his love. 
This is why it breaks his heart for you not to worship him. He made you to worship. He created you to worship. You were made for his purpose. And when you don't even understand or recognize that he is your maker and your creator and you treat him like some inanimate object, that's heartbreaking. You know, you see it again in the Genesis account, for real, for real, in Genesis chapter 6. God created the world in Genesis chapter 1, right? Genesis chapter 2, he made man, right? But by the time you get to Genesis chapter 6, there's a, a commentary that says that <clears throat> man that God has made doesn't even want to think of God, that he made him. And so it repented the Lord. It broke his heart that he had made man on the earth because the very man that he has made in his image don't even want to acknowledge who he is. And therefore, God brought the flood. But he said in Genesis chapter 8, before I destroy the man, I got to find somebody that I'm going to save. Somebody that I'm going to show mercy to. Somebody that I'm going to show grace to. And the Bible said, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Come on, take his name out of the way. And say, and Michael found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And say your name there. And you found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Because your maker could have wiped you out. But instead, he chose to let you live and provided an ark for you to be saved in. And instead of it being a, a boat that floated on water, he's giving you the church. And when you come into the ark of safety, you are supposed to come here to worship the creator, the maker, the savior, the giver, the sustainer of life. And that's why we can't worship. That's why we have worship. That's why we don't want to worship because we don't understand who we're dealing with. Look at it now. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Life and light are two of the same thing. Life is what you have in you. The manifestation of the revelation of the spiritual life is called light. See, before you know the word, you are in darkness. But when you come into the light, when your light go on, when the revelation of who God is comes on, then you have been born again. You have been born again, not physically, but born from above. Now you have received the second thing that he came to give. Came to give you life. And Jesus said, I have come that you might have what? Life and have it a little bit. Have it in, in bitty portions. No, that I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly he wants you to have that abundant life but you can't have that abundant life until you get the light until the revelation of who he is is on and once the light is on and you realize who you are and whose you are you don't mind giving him praise are you following that now, now, let's look at light, because Jesus is light. 
We'll talk about that next time. But it, but it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light, meaning Christ, shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, that word comprehendeth. In the English language, we know that comprehend means to understand. But that doesn't really fit there because that's not what it's really saying. He's not really saying, and the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness understood it not. That's not what it's saying. The, the original Greek word there for comprehendeth meant to pounce on, like jumping on something with two feet with the expectation that when you jump on it, you're going to overcome it. You're going to overpower it. That's the whole purpose of jumping on something so that you and your weight can overpower what you pounced on. Listen at what the scripture is saying. The light, meaning Jesus, came into the world and the darkness, you know who the darkness is. Darkness is Satan and the forces of darkness tried to pounce on him, but they could not overpower him. <laughs> I, are you hearing that? Listen, and, 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 and you know that it's true now. That darkness cannot overpower light. The truth that we know is that light always overpowers darkness. If we turn the lights off in here and, and we pulled out our cell phones and immediately the light of the phone would chase the darkness away. And the darkness, I don't care how pitch black it could be, the darkness will not be able to overpower the light. Instead, the light is going to always overpower the darkness. Now, let's look at it in the life of Jesus, who Jesus is. Jesus came now. John said he became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the nativity, the, the birth, when he, when he came. But what he's doing is this is God who's taking on human flesh and becoming one of us so that he could sympathize with you, so that he knows what it is to hurt when you're hurting. So he knows what it's like to be lied on. So he knows what it's like to be betrayed. So he knows what it's like to be mistreated. So he knows what it's like to be ignored. So he knows what it's like to be hungry and to be thirsty and not to have what you need because he said birds have nests and foxes have holes but the son of man have nowhere to lay his head so he knows what it means to be homeless he knows whatever the human circumstance is but even that the darkness 
still could not overcome the light. All right, when the darkness tried, darkness tried at his birth when Jesus showed up and the wise men came and said, where is he that's born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And the wise men said to Herod, and, and Herod said, well, yeah, I know where he's born. He's born in Bethlehem. And, and when you go and worship him, you come back and tell me what you find out. And when the wise men went to see Jesus, they were warned in a dream not to return back. And, and Herod got mad. He became the darkness. And he sought to destroy the light. So he ordered a decree that all babies two years old and younger would be killed. Why? Because he was trying to overpower the light. But guess what? He failed. When Jesus grew up and he became of the age of 30. And he went down into the baptismal pool and was baptized by John. Come out. Let me show you the Trinity. The Father opened heaven and said, Thou art my beloved Son who's standing there in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended. All three of them were there. When Jesus dismissed the Father and the Holy Spirit and went into the wilderness, fasted and prayed for 40 days, Satan showed up. He tried to overpower the light, but he could not. Jesus had the word. Thou shall not live, by, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So again, the light overcame the darkness. Satan wasn't through. At the end of three and a half years of human earthly ministry, doing what nobody had ever done before, he took a cross. Satan said, oh, I got him now. Marched him up to Via Della Rosa, laid him on the ground. Darkness said, I'm going to have my hour. Put nails in his hand. Hoist him up in the air. Spill him in the side. I bet you we got him now. Death said, I'll take over from here. Death said, put him in the tomb because everybody that have ever come under my power, I've held them. I got Adam, I got Eve, I got Abraham, I got Isaac, I got Jacob, I got Jonah, I got Noah, I got all of them. And he tried his best. Friday, he held down Jesus. Saturday, he held down Jesus. But Sunday, he said, something's happening. I'm losing my grip. I can't seem to hold him any longer. And he got up. He got up with all power in heaven and earth in his hand because the darkness could not overpower the light. I'm just trying to tell you that when trouble comes, you don't have to worry because the darkness will not be able to overcome the light when sickness comes. You don't have to worry because the darkness will not be able to overcome the light, whatever it is. God will rescue you because he has the power and he is the light. He is the divine word of God. And when we know who he is, 
we can worship him as the savior, as the creator, as the maker, as the true word that speaks truth into our hearts to allow us to be victorious in all of our circumstances. A Christian has no reason to live a defeated life. You are somebody, but you got to know why you are somebody, who made you that somebody, and who keeps you being that somebody. And so therefore, man, listen, sometimes we just need to just ask God, just breathe. You are the air, I breathe. You, you just need to just worship. You just need just sometimes to just stand in his presence. Just, just, just stand and just absorb. Just feel him. Just let him flow through you. Sometimes it's clapping. Sometimes it's running. Sometimes it's crying out loud. But much of the time, it's just absorbing and worshiping and experiencing the air, the breath of God flowing over you and through you and energizing you to become and to do what needs to be done. Sometimes I'm so down. Sometimes I'm so weak. But just standing in the presence of God and just saying, Lord, help me. Just, just, just breathe on me. Just let me just feel your closeness. Let me just feel your presence. Your Holy Spirit, your Holy Presence, your Holy Word given to me. And that's what I want us to do now. I just want us to worship. I just want us to worship. I want you to think about Christ who was pre-existent. I want you to think about the God who was coexistent there. I want you to think about the one who is self-existent, is the one who has made you, who is the one who has saved you, who is the one who lives in you, who is the one that loves you and blesses you and takes care of you and wants you as his own. I wish we could just worship, baby. Come on with it. This is the hour. Doors open. Decision time. This is the air I breathe. Just think about that. Just breathe. Take in a deep breath. This is the air I breathe. Listen at that. Listen at that. Listen at that. Your holy presence. That's the presence of God. That's where worship is. Where is it? Living in me. need every day. It's my fix on him. This is my daily bread. Your daily word. Daily word. Gets me going. That's what keeps me straight. And I, I, 
just stand? Will you just stand all over the building? Now, I want you to just lift your hands. Just lift your hands. Don't worry about nobody's looking. Nobody cares. This is a God moment. Spirit, come on, take it or take it around again. I just want you to feel the God's presence. What if this was the way we? What if this was the way we? We began our day. What if in the middle of trouble we stop to just say, God, you're the air that I breathe. You're my daily word spoken to me. Oh, God, help us today. We're desperate for you. We're lost without you. We can do nothing without you, but with you we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Bless us today. Bless us now. Renew our understanding. Open our minds. Open our hearts. Help us to reach out to you. Help us to feel you. Your nearness, your closeness, your love for us. Just the very presence, God. This is, the this is 
your moment. This is your place. This is your time, God. We're your people. We can't do it without you. But we can do it with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Can you just praise him? Can you just praise him? Can you just tell him thank you? Can you just... Hey friends, this is your friend again, Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm back again to talk about this book. We've introduced this book to you before, and we want to tell you a little bit more about it today. We want to talk today about the impact that materials can have. All of us are impacted by something. We're impacted by experiences. We're impacted by things that we have heard and seen and experienced in our life. And this book really shares a lot of the impact that has been made in my life through 48 years or 45 years of being married, 50 years of being with the same lady. And I tell you, when I first got married, there were a lot of things I just did not know. But over the years and over the times, I've gained tremendous insights. And I've written down those insights and made them available in this book. Friends, in addition to the book that we have been discussing, So You Want to Be Married, I've also been fortunate enough to share insight and impact through other books that we have written. The first book that we ever wrote was When God Changes a Church it becomes the church for the unchurch. The second book is a very important book, Pathways to Church Growth, Reaching the Unchurched. And the third book, Everybody Deserves a Good Funeral. I've seen so many funerals, I've participated in quite a number, and there are mistakes sometimes that are made. This book gives great insight and comfort to those who are going through the process. And finally, the book that we're featuring today, So You Want to Be Married. Follow the prompts on the screen and find out how these impactful books may also impact your life. Friends, this is Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. We really appreciate all of the love and support that you have shown to us through these broadcasts. We've been hearing from people and our friends all over, and we want you to pray about being a supporter and a prayer partner and a supporter of this television ministry. If you believe the Holy Spirit has ministered the Word of God to you and you'd like to see this ministry continue and to share it with your friends, please consider being a supporter. Follow the prompts on the screen. We would love to hear from you.